Dennis Stewart, complementary medicine and herbal medicine in particular, usually is used to treat uh, chronic diseases that uh, recur as well that perhaps don't do so well with the mainstream medical Mm. treatment. Mm. We'd like you to talk about that today, wouldn't we? Oh, look, that's a very good topic to talk about, Jane. Complementary medicine, as you've pointed out, is well suited to find a niche in treating those conditions that stubbornly fail to respond adequately to mainstream medication. We'll look at some of those examples this morning. We do have John, who has rung in from Warners Bay, and he's got a question about uh, recovering, getting back to normal after an operation. Hello, John. Oh, hello, Jan. Jan. Um, Yes, Dennis, I've just got out of hospital Mm -hmm. a couple of days ago. Yes. I had fluid fluid, uh, build-up, you know, around the lungs. Yes. I'd have to uh, patch it all up. Yes. Drain, drain it. Now... With all that antibiotics, I was very, very squeamish. And since I've been home, I've taken, I've taken probiotics. Yes. Um, but I'm also just a question about, is there some sort of detox or something like to help flush the system or clean yourself out a little bit quicker or just tidy, <laughs> tidy give the body a bit of a shake-up? <laughs> I, I think, John, what you're experiencing is a fairly... Uh, typical response to the intense therapy that you had. I think to use the term detox is perhaps not appropriate because what you've been given as standard treatment with necessary antibiotics, um, sometimes antibiotics do upset the gut flora to a degree and that's where the use of probiotics has become somewhat popular, although controversially. It it would be unlikely, John, that the symptoms that you're experiencing uh, would linger. This, in my opinion, is a fairly typical uh, scenario that many people experience after this sort of uh, hospitalisation that you've had. What I I would suggest is that probably your best detox is is quite simply to drink plenty of fluid. Make sure that your uh, your kidneys are working well. Uh, we, we, We don't hydrate ourselves adequately, and that can put stress on the eliminatory mechanisms of our body. So I would encourage... Uh, a lot of water drinking, so to speak, no, not not absurdly. Um, also, what I suspect you, you sh- might be useful for you, depending on what you're taking, there's an excellent little preparation that would be available from your pharmacist or health food store called Floridix. Now, um, I have great regard for that product. It's a great uh, recovery remedy. It's uh, full of um, appropriate nutrients. It's a great remedy I've found in practice for people that are run down, that are a bit deficient, that are a bit worn out. It's very, very safe. I think if you were to do that, you would probably find that in conjunction with the probiotics you're taking and the drinking of fluid to flush your system naturally, using, say, some Floridix as a tonic might just get you where you want to be. F-L-O-R-A-D-I-X, Floridix? I think oh, yes, that's the spelling. Yeah. Okay, Dennis, thank okay. you very much. See how you go, John. Okay, cheers. Right Thanks for your call, John. Uh, 49216216 to get your question through to Dennis Stewart today. And uh, Charles has is also quick off the mark today, Dennis. He's from Spears Point. And it's your questions to do with cancer cures, Charles. Hello, Charles. Uh, yeah, yeah. Hi, Dennis. How are you? Um, Long time listener, first time caller. Yes, yes. Uh, I I caught the end of the show last week 
uh, when you spoke about the cancer bush from South Af- uh, Africa, whatever it was. Okay, okay. Uh, yeah, and I happen to have a, a, a book here that's called uh, Blushwood, the Endangered Australian Native Cancer Killer. Average, our Indigenous people have been using it for years. Uh, and I just sort of let you know that it is there and uh, some of the um, drug companies have tested it. They find this stuff is so good they inject the, the bits of it in, and I'm not sure what they are, into a tumour and it melts virtually. So I thought I'd just give you a quick call and tell you the now, name of it. It's called Blushwood. Now, you're so talk- are, you, are you talking about a South African herb or a native herb? No, no. This is a native herb from Queensland, Atherton Tablelands. And, and do, you, flowers. Do, do you know its uh, botanical name? Uh, plants in the Fontania family, especially okay. Fontania, Picrosperma, Highlandia, Docrilli, and Fontania venosa. Okay. That, <laughs> I hope I pronounced him right. <laughs> and, and, and unfortunately, unfortunately, that is uh, not uh, the uh, herb that I was referring to last week, which is Sutherland, yeah. which is Sutherlandia frutescens. And yeah. what I would say about all these things, and you'd expect me to say this, Charles, is that extraordinary caution needs to be shown oh, because there are people out there that are desperate, and there are people out there that will uh, incorrectly recommend things yep. for cancer and get of people course. into problems. I'm intrigued by what you said, however. You're, you're implying that the preparation that you're referring to is being used medically by way of injection. Yeah, and it's been, in, been uh, tested and found by um, a scientist at the QIMR Berghoff Medical Research Institute in Brisbane. Okay. So I've got some writing in front of me. I'm just quoting that. The uh, only reason I rang was, you know, you said you're looking, you yes, wanted absolutely. to leave a mark. That's, and I thought... Uh, well, South African thing may be good, but this one's here. Okay. Look, I'd be, I'd, I'd be very, very interested, Charles, as, as you would expect, to receive yeah. some information on that because I fortunately have some colleagues around me who uh, specialise in what's called ethnobotany, that is looking at yep. Um, yep. plant-based remedies that have been used by Indigenous communities in particular. So yeah. if you can get some information to me, I will hotly I'll pursue it and uh, down the track I'll be happy to uh, bring it before the listening audience to uh, give them uh, my opinion on it and yeah. to let them know where this remedy is being used. And I, I appreciate right. uh, your ringing, Charles, as I would appreciate anyone who has any information of a credible nature that might lead to some sort of new approach to managing this wretched disease. And I have always said that I really believe there still exist in nature, particularly in the bush, those remedies that hold breakthrough capacity for many of these wretched cancers that we experience. Send me some information, Charles. Fantastic. Thank you, Charles. And uh, we'll look forward to hearing Mm. more about that as time goes on. Dennis, chronic conditions Mm. that you found herbs to be useful for. Look, I think probably one of the most interesting conditions of a chronic nature that we see a lot of, particularly uh, within herbal medicine, is the treatment of what we call urinary tract infections. Uh, People would uh, know the term cystitis, uh, urethritis. These are wretched conditions that can become really very chronic, and particularly in elderly people, both male and female, they can lead to very, very severe Uh, symptoms uh, which are normally uh, treated with antibiotics but the problem with that is that continual antibiotic medication can reach a peak and not be as effective and using antibiotics all the time for infections that 
come so regularly is not the ideal thing to do. So I want to talk a little bit about uh, a discovery and an approach to help people that chronic, uh, that, uh, that experience chronic recurring cystitis conditions, both male and female. And one of the big breakthroughs in this was the discovery by an American microbiologist, a Dr. Anthony Sabota, who was a microbiology professor at Youngtown State University in Ohio. And part of his research was to try to find uh, remedies that could assist the treatment of chronic cystitis and and treat it as well as, or perhaps complement, the use of the mainstream antibiotic approach. And he wasn't getting very far until he heard about a nursing home that was using cranberry juice, uh, particularly on on elderly compromised uh, patients. And like a good researcher, he was uh, not a sceptic and took it on board and began to do experiments with cranberry and found that cranberry actually did help many, many people, not all, but many, many people who previously were entirely dependent upon antibiotics and went from one antibiotic to another antibiotic. He was intrigued by his experiments and went on to research as to how cranberry in a juice form, or these days in more sophisticated forms, could possibly be of benefit in treating cystitis. And he found out that cranberry has active principles in it, and there are many of them. You can't just reduce it down to, a, a, to what's called an anthocyanidin, which is one bioflavonoid. But he found out that what cranberry actually did was inhibit the proliferation of bacteria on the urinary tract mucous membrane. And urinary tract infections are associated with bacteria, if you like, feeding on the mucosa of the urinary tract. So whereas the antibiotics uh, necessarily get rid of the bacteria, uh, with cranberry, what they actually do is inhibit the proliferation by destroying, to a degree, the feeding ground that the bacteria thrive on. So he found that with cranberry, there was a real basis to its use. He discovered, and the general explanation today is, that cranberry taken regularly, now let me emphasise this, cranberry is not to be seen, certainly not in my opinion, as an acute remedy. It's not to be used with a violent, active urinary tract infection. That's a medical condition that needs to be treated medically by the GP uh, or a urologist. What we're talking about here is something that may be of use for chronic sufferers of cystitis who will use cranberry in a standardised form on a regular daily basis in order to lessen the experience, the frequent experience of cystitis, and even if a cystitis condition asserts itself, it is still useful, particularly when taken with an antibiotic, the course of the antibiotic might have might be as long and the result can be better. So one of the big breakthroughs, and I say this to all uh, people out there, particularly elderly people, and particularly people that are compromised, paraplegics, uh, people that are in wheelchairs, uh, people that are incontinent, uh, who frequently experience cystitis, uh, do take on board what I have said. And if you are not using cranberry on a daily basis, in my opinion, based on my experience, and also based on the literature, you may well be missing out 
on one of the breakthrough natural medicine approaches to helping you build up some resistance to this chronic debilitating condition. Cranberry, a remarkable remedy, a preventative that can help, help the doctor in the management of chronic urinary tract infections. I'll talk about a supportive remedy to cranberry in a moment. Health Naturally on 2NURFM for our sponsor, Dennis Stewart's new Lambton Herbal Medicine Centre and uh, another chronic condition, a chronic cough, Maria. Yep, that's right. Hello, Maria. Hi there, Dennis. How are you? I'm well indeed. How can we help you? Tell me about your cough. Oh, I've had it for quite a long time. How long? Uh, Probably... Six to seven years. Okay. Yeah. Now, and I've been to speech therapists, tried antibiotics, um, different sleeping positions, things like that. And you're still struggling and with still, it? No, still going, okay. yeah. Uh, presumably, presumably, you have used what's called reflux medication. Oh, yeah, yeah, next okay. yep. Okay. But sometimes... Uh, useful in as much that as you've probably been told by your prescribing doctor, some cough conditions are caused as a result of reflux, uh, if you like acid, to use it in a simple term, uh, scalding the esophageal region. So sometimes that's useful. Now, I don't know what you may um, have used up to this point. So some of what I might say you may well have tried. But one of the um, approaches that I have found useful, and it's the simplest of all, is to recommend the taking in significant quantities of, of honey. All right, now, okay. Ha- don't, don't, uh, that might sound very simplistic. If you were to uh, jump on the net and punch in honey and cough, you would find that, in fact, there's literature out there now suggesting that honey is as good as some of the over-the-counter prescribed medications. So it's worthwhile bringing into the equation the regular across the day, taking, say, a teaspoonful of honey. How it works, it works on a number of principles. There is, or there are a group of remedies that are used to address uh, coughing, which are called demulcent. Now, demulcent remedies are those which have a soothing, coating effect or mollifying effect on inflamed tissue. Now, mm. ha- honey, amongst other things, has uh, principles that um, are, are demulcent. So they would necessarily have a soothing effect. So if you haven't used that, start with that. Get some good quality uh, natural honey. And I emphasize natural honey, preferably, in my opinion, from, from a beekeeper who can give you honey straight from the hive. The second thing, the second thing with this is that don't underestimate the role of the herb licorice. Okay, now, licorice. Now, yep. licorice comes as a fluid extract. Your pharmacist or your naturopath would have what's called the liquid extract of licorice. Licorice has hitherto been uh, frequently used in uh, pharmaceutical preparations for coughs and respiratory conditions, and there would be no other remedy that could compete in my practice as far as usage is concerned as licorice. Uh, So uh, if you were to use licorice, it could even be used in conjunction with honey, mixed with honey, and you would take a dose according to the literature, around about five mils twice daily and, yep. p- and perhaps no more, perhaps a dose going to bed and a dose when you get up. And you notice I said, and no more than that, because licorice is one of those herbs. And by the way, we're talking about the herb licorice and we're not talking about confectionery. With the herb licorice, you have to be somewhat cautious in that high doses 
sustained over a period of time may cause an elevation of blood pressure due to the fact that it holds on to sodium. Now, I've rarely seen this. Are you on blood pressure medication? No. no. Okay. Well, that's in your favour. Um, I've rarely seen that, but I'm, I'm always pointing it out to people who may be taking medication that incorporates licorice, good as it is, it has its limitations, but if you take it at that level, it's unlikely that you would find any problems with it. So there are two remedies. I will keep going on because uh, to treat a cough is not an easy thing. No, Uh, no. And uh, and, uh, I think that what I have found over the years is that you have to move amongst a group of remedies until you suit the remedy to the actual cough history of the patient. So I've mentioned two things there. Another thing I will ask before I go any further, uh, do you experience any what is called post-nasal drip, the running down the back of your throat of mucus from the upper respiratory tract? Yes, yep. Okay. I had that quite a bit when it first started. Okay, now look. And it's calmed down a lot, but when I get a big coughing fit yes, okay. and then my nose starts running. Okay. And... What I would say here is that that could be an aggravating factor. Your uh, upper respiratory tract in its inflamed state, may be causing what's called post-nasal drip, and that can be an aggravating or trigger factor. Now, what I'm going to say now is if you have not used um, a, a preparation called bromelain, now I'll no, spell it. Missed. Okay, I'll spell it for you. B-R-O-M-E-L-A-I-N, bromelain. Now, again... Uh, if you're good at the net, and these days most people are except me, uh, get on the net and look at bromelain, and you will find that bromelain's reputation is particularly associated with the sinuses and the upper respiratory tract. I would right. suggest in conjunction with using what I've already said, that is, say, honey and licorice, that you go to your health food store there at Valentine uh, or at uh, Elibana or at Warner's Bay. Um, Vitology would have what I'm talking about and get hold of some bromelain and start using it. It's very, very safe. It's an extract. It's an enzyme, interestingly, from the pineapple. So if you, ah. if you were to treat this chronic upper respiratory tract problem that you seem to have had with, say, some bromelain, and you were to use, say, the honey and licorice, try that for a while, then down the track, so to speak, get back to me and let me know how you've gone. Wow, thank you. And you know, the funny thing is, quite a few people have this same cough, uh-huh. and I can't believe it. I'll tell yeah. you about it. A, a, a cough, a cough is a condition. A cough that stays on. It's chronic <laughs> that cough that stays on, and it can be difficult to treat. That's why I've suggested some left field approaches, because within the mainstream. Frequently, the only advice that is given is drink plenty of water and use lozenges. Well, all the very best with that, Maria. Beverly, um, cystitis. Now, you've had some advice um, by taking warfarin. You can't take cranberry as well. Is that your question for Dennis? Yes, thank you. That is my question, Dennis. Hello, Beverly. Um, um, warfarin and cranberry, 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 cranberry. Yes. Um, Warfarin is, uh, if you like, it's terminology, a blood-thinning remedy. Um, I'm wondering, cranberry, in fact, has very strong astringent principles, which means, like bilberry and many other of the berries, uh, it has tends to have a, a tightening effect on tissue, rather than, and in fact is used 
to stem some bleeding conditions, even uh, with reference with cranberry, it has a history of being used um, in, in some microscopic bleeding, even from, from the kidney. I'm a bit puzzled by that. Who told you that, Beverly? Oh, well, I have lots of um, information of um, what I can eat and what I can't eat, and uh, uh, that is just on the list that I have uh, that I'm not to use. Um, okay, okay. I do take... I. Uh, I've had antibiotics quite often for yes. this problem yes. because um, it, I'm elderly and it seems to be an ongoing um, problem. Problem, unfortunately, yes. Yes. the antibiotics yeah. work for um, okay. a very short time and then yeah. um, then it occurs again. Yes. Look, yes. Be- Beverly, um, what the information that you have been given may well be correct, but I have not uh, come across anything overtly which supports that, but. I have in my, uh, even my practice library back in Alma Road, I have references that will tell me very, very, very quickly if there's any validity to this. So what I suggest you do um, is leave your telephone number with the the desk here and talk, talk to the receptionist. And when I get back to my rooms, I will ring you concerning this to, to give you uh, information that will either confirm or question this. Um, I might say that I would be uh, a little bit surprised if that was the case, but I will look at it and get back to you as you would expect me to do. Now, the other thing I would say is, if you are a chronic urinary tract patient, as you obviously are, and many are, the second remedy that I was going to talk about today uh, that I frequently prescribe in conjunction with cranberry is the South African herb known as buku, and I'll spell it for you. B-U-C-H-U. Now, there is a tea called Buku tea. Now, there are very few herbs that have the natural antibiotic characteristics that Buku has. I would not think that it would conflict with what you are doing. And if you ring my rooms, I will happily send you the monograph that you can show your GP or your urologist that might encourage uh, you to try using buku tea uh, on a daily basis as a safe preventative for chronic urinary tract infections. There could be significant benefit for you yet, Beverly. And uh, just stay on the line, Beverly, and uh, Sally will talk to you in just a moment, give you all mm-hmm. the information mm-hmm. you need and take your number as well. Uh, now, we have a call from... Fiona, who has rung in from Abermain, and it's something you often talk about, diabetes, we do. Dennis. Hello, Fiona. Uh, hello, Dennis. How are you going? I'm well. How are you? Uh, I'm well. Good, good, I'm good. Just ringing in, yeah, just ringing in from my friend. Mm. Uh, she's got the diabetes retinopathy. Is that right? Diabetic retinopathy, yes. Yes. Now, um, several times I've heard you talk about bilberry. Yes. Uh Along with that, you'd have to have a lifestyle change as well, wouldn't you? Uh, ideally, a lifestyle should be uh, factored into all of our conditions. But mm-hmm. but uh, my reading on bilberry and, and also the herb ginkgo biloba suggests, yeah. suggests that they are exceptionally useful for, mm-hmm. for many conditions that afflict the eyes and in particular diabetic retinopathy now i'm not talking about cure i'm talking Mm -hmm. about using these herbs as potential agents 
to slow down further deterioration, which it may or may not do. Fortunately, both those remedies are safe, except in the case of ginkgo, if you or if the if the lady was on some warfarin or something like that, it might not be ideal. But certainly, those two herbs, and in particular the use of bilberry, uh, anyone, and I've said this on this program before, anyone who has uh, diabetes or a pre-diabetic condition, type 2 or whatever, mm-hmm. in my opinion, they may well be missing out on the significant benefit that comes, even without lifestyle, with the use yeah. of something like a regular use of standardised mm-hmm. preparations of bilberry, maybe also in conjunction with the ginkgo. Right, okay. So do you just get it from the health food shop? What I would suggest, is, if your uh, friend uh, is mm-hmm. a diabetic, uh, yeah. the, the, the ethical thing to do would be to run it past uh, the GP so okay. he can, he can mm-hmm. note. And if yep. she's under an ophthalmologist, the ophthalmologist should be told as well. Um, mm-hmm. Your pharmacist would probably be, um, probably be the best uh, to talk to here and you've got a, a good little pharmacist down the road from where you are uh, mm-hmm. go past it on a daily basis they're doing a good job there uh, mm-hmm. go and talk to them about getting what's called a standardised preparation of bilberry and a standardised preparation of ginkgo if the ginkgo is not contraindicated with the medication your friend might be taking and your mm-hmm. pharmacist there could tell your friend whether or not the ginkgo, as well as the bilberry, uh, is, is okay. Right, so that's just a herbal preparation, is that yeah, look, right? It, it comes essentially in what we call a standardised tableted form. Now, when we talk about standardised uh, forms, we're talking about uh, a herbal preparation that is guaranteed to have a mm. particular level of the major active principle in each dosage. So with these two herbs... Because they are very, very medical and standardised, they come in tableted form. Easy to take and -hmm. and, and reasonably priced. Right, okay. What kind of milligrams would you be looking at if you were doing the tablet? Oh, look, (laughs) I I haven't got my pharmacopoeia in front of me here. Go and have a yarn with your uh, little pharmacy down the road. I'm sure they'd be able to help you with that. Sounds like a good plan of action. Barry from Hawk's Nest. Now, your wife's just been diagnosed with osteoarthritis. Yes. Uh, good afternoon, Dennis. Hello, uh, Barry. Thanks for taking my call. Pleasure. Uh, you, you were kind last month to uh, give me your advice on hemochromatosis, which yes. I mm. carefully had. But, um, Dennis, uh, my wife has uh, always been a runner, very active, and has just been diagnosed with osteoarthritis yes. in her foot. Yes. And uh, we hear so many stories about glucosamine and uh, curcumin mm. mix and all the rest of yes. it. Yes. Uh, to preserve, what would you recommend, Dennis? Well, look, osteoarthritis, as you know, is is a degenerative condition and it can be a painful condition. Um, I think a starting base is always uh, to try uh, a glucosamine-based preparation. The reason I say that is there seems to be pretty good uh, literature and significant clinical experience both in the literature recorded and also uh, talking to practitioners to suggest that it's worthwhile giving that a try, albeit in the correct dosage and albeit accompanied by chondroitin and ideally other anti-inflammatory uh, preparations. So if she's not using anything yet, what, what I suggest we do, I will send out to your dear wife 
a container of my glucosaplex preparation, and that will be free oh, of charge. Thank you, Dennis. That will be free of charge, uh, yeah. and she could give that a go. If she finds that that helps, well, that will tend yeah. to demonstrate that glucosamine and the adjunctive substances that go with it, particularly in glucosaplex, my product, is something yeah. she needs to take ongoingly. Uh, what it actually does is debatable. There does seem to be evidence to suggest that it has some improving effect on cartilage. Uh, either way, the end result is seemingly increased mobility and less joint pain. So that's always a good starting base. Yes, Gluc- indeed, Dennis. No, that's what we're looking right. for. It's just that uh, someone mentioned to a curcumin, yeah, well, curcumin which uh, I think is turmeric. Uh, turmeric. You know, well, now, look, yeah, with, with, with turmeric, I'm going to say something controversial here. Um, yep. Curcumin is the active principle found in turmeric. And, and these days, oh, these days yep. it's extracted from the herb and yep. used in a, a tableted, isolated form. And that's okay. But interestingly, mm-hmm. interestingly, some of the feedback I have, uh, particularly from patients that can't afford some of the sophisticated mm-hmm. curcumin product, is that yep. when they use the crude turmeric, the crude turmeric powder, which is dirt cheap, you can get it from the supermarket, when they use it in teaspoonful dosages, they get an effect, they claim, which is as good as what you would get using the tableted curcumin. Now, all I'm doing here, I'm not defending either approach. All I'm saying is that for elderly people, particularly for pensioners, where some complementary medicines really are too expensive, um, yes. here is a case where using simple turmeric, five yep. grand dosages, in most cases, one or two of those a day has led to significant relief. In fact, in my drawer in my rooms at Alma Road, I have a testimony from an elderly gentleman uh, who vouches for the benefit of using turmeric powder and getting good results from it. And I know the gentleman, and I know he's a very reliable and accurate recorder of many things. So I'm going to send you some glucosaplex, but what you can also do if you want is wander down to the supermarket, the health food store, or, or wherever, mm. and get hold of some turmeric powder mm. and start to use yes, a bit of that as well. Right, I think we'll start on the glucosamine. Yeah, that's the easy. It's much easier good. to take. It's yeah. much easier. No, no, to sounds take. good to me. Okay, <laughs> okay, right okay Barry, right. stay on the line, and uh, and we'll get your details. I think this might be our last call, Dennis. Um, Susie, you've rung in from Fletcher and you've had some experience in your household with UTI. Yes, my husband um, has always had them and recently, or eight years ago, he got diagnosed with leukaemia, so he gets them a lot more. And um, it was always being treated with antibiotics. We went to Sydney to see Dr. or Professor Stricker Mm -hmm. and he put him on a basic um, tablet of Hiplex a day and 1,000 milligrams of vitamin C and it controls the acid levels and it's really helped and it's reduced his um, UTI infections by a massive amount. That's that's great. That's wonderful. Yeah, so it's just a basic of two natural more products and antibiotics all the time. Have you, uh, has your um, husband passed this on uh, to his GP? Oh, yes, yeah. Um, oh, his GP and now his um, hematologist, he's on a script now of Hiprex because he uses oh, them every day and the vitamin C combination, yeah, so it's quite quite effective. Well, Hiprex is a fairly well-known um, medical preparation for treating uh, these conditions, but mm. it's, it's interesting that, that the good doctor has appended to it 
some vitamin C yeah. uh, to get that additional benefit. Yeah, the acid level, and it's about to be around 1,000 milligrams yes, yes. of the vitamin C, and yeah. Um, yeah, it does control it. Isn't that interesting? There, there is a suspicion, by the way, that the acidity of the, of the, of the uh, cranberry may be a contributing factor to the benefit that it has on the urinary tract. So there's some, there seems to be some sort of agreement here that the acidity factor, either induced as a result of administering a relatively higher dose of vitamin C, or perhaps in the context of using the cranberry, may be just as much explanatory to the benefits that it has as anything else. Yeah, that's good. Susie, that's very nice of you to ring in, and I'm sure that's going to help a lot of uh, people out there that are looking for ways of helping this wretched condition, and they should take on board what you have said and mention it to their GPs, who may in turn be interested in in trying that approach. Great to hear that. Thank Mm. you, Susie, Mm. for your call. And that really brings health naturally to a close today. Oh, what a pity, Jane. We're just getting warmed up, Jane. (laughs) (laughs) We can carry on next Friday after the Midday News. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.